Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, it is, geez, Thursday now. Man, this week's flying by. Uh, May 6th, and welcome to the Ohioan. Man, I'm losing track of my days anymore. I got Craig and Brandon here with me today. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you? Great. Doing good. Thank you. Fantastic. Um, Man, lots to talk about today. I feel like we're all bringing our education hats. We got a couple of interesting education stories. Uh, down Southern Ohio, uh, there's a school district. I'm not too familiar with the Blanchester, Ohio area, but it's a small district uh, in the Cincinnati area. And uh, they made an interesting rule. They're saying they're taking out the mask mandate. Um, they're saying, hey, you know, you don't have to wear masks during certain activities. Uh, they say students could go maskless while playing outside or on school buses with rules. Does for the rest of the current school year, uh, which runs through June 1st. And they say, hey, after June 1st, you walk through the door of any Blanchester school, uh, you don't need to wear a mask at all. Um, Craig, I, I know the numbers are kind of going down a little bit. I know we're starting to get vaccinated, but this seems a little, little too early for some of this stuff. What do you think? Well, you know, it may be a little premature, and especially when there's no, you know, vaccination for, for kids out there just yet, aside from the 16 and up with the Pfizer. And obviously they're working on children, you know, being able to get vaccinated. But at the same time, I, you know, I don't know that you're going to get a lot of parents and kids that are going to get vaccinated. You know, they're going to let their kids get vaccinated anyway. So it may be a little premature to do this, but you know, we're coming up to next month when the governor's override, you know, the override of the governor comes into play and it may not really matter what the governor is asking people. And then maybe that's what this school is, is doing. I know that they, they kind of cite that the CDC guidelines for outdoor masking is, has changed and it has. So, you know, hopefully this doesn't bleed over into next school year where people don't have to wear masks at all at school, but it looks like, uh, you might see some districts go to that, I would imagine. Yeah, and Brandon, it's interesting. A lot of uh, parents pressure. Uh, Kyle Wilson, he's the president of the Blanchester Board of Education, saying, hey, parents are blowing up my phone. They're saying, when are we rescinding this issue? When are we going to change the policy? Um, so it sounds like a lot of other school boards I've ran into over the years, man, they, they listen to parents and, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure they're trying to protect themselves, and obviously they got to get reelected and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would think this would be a time where 
maybe you don't require mass till the end of time, but you might say, hey, can we find some middle ground here? Yeah, I think um, the challenge we have right now is determining what's acceptable and what's not. The CDC, of course, makes uh, has updated what's okay and what's not. Um, and the thing that I just, I think that frustrates me when I see this kind of debate is just that there's this group that wants to, oh, they just want to end mask because they just don't like mask. It's, it's, uh, it's not necessarily something to do with, um, um, well, nothing backed by science. It's just, they just don't like mask, I guess. I mean, there are some good points. I mean, CDC is saying it's much safer to go without a mask outdoors now. Uh, in some situations, maybe not necessarily crowded, <laughs> crowded situations, but, um, you know, I, I, you know, but it, it, there's so much, I just get so frustrated with the pressure to, to on our authorities to re- loosen the restrictions when we're not even out of the woods yet. It's, it's, um, it's like, man, if we had, and if we had just stayed the course, stayed, you know, resolved just to kind of, you know, maintain shutdowns, maintain, you know, the miserableness that we had, we still, we went through last year. And if we could have maintained it all the way through the end of the year, we might've been able to achieve herd immunity. Who knows? But um, the restrictions are getting rolled, but we're getting rolled back too quickly. Even last year, you know, especially particularly in Ohio, when dining became indoor dining, indoor dining last year in May got, was allowed, was allowed uh, again in May. Um, I would have been fine with outdoor dining, but I guess, bottom line here is just um you know the people <laughs> the people are 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 uh, demanding or kind of demanding something that i don't think they realize it's against their interest in the long run um and we'll just have to live with covid for the end of time chris <laughs> yeah and i think my personal issue is you got to think about it i mean look at what we faced I mean, I, I think maybe some of us are, hey, I want to go out all the time. I want to be home. I want to go out. This is fun. But what's the inconvenience we face? We got to stay home a little bit more. We got to, in most jobs, work from home. And staying from home, it's not like we're locked up. I mean, we've got Netflix. We've got all the stuff we'd love to do at home. We could go outside to the backyard and everything. I, I mean, I, do we just hate our families or something? I Like, you <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm thinking about it. Okay, you can't, for a while, you said, you know, go eat somewhere. But smart restaurants are offering the abilities for you to get stuff to go. So it's not like, you know, it's funny. We compare this to the Nazis and we compare this to all this other stuff, which was horrible, oppressive times. I'm not sure how oppressive it is. I mean, honestly, if we're following what we need to do, it's minor inconveniences and yeah if you have to go to your job and you have to be on it you still have the choice to say hey maybe now's the time for me to find something different so at worst it's maybe a hey maybe i need to do something a little bit different in my life but i think for a lot of people it's just minor inconveniences craig what's ever going to happen if we have to face major inconveniences I mean, if we can't handle this now yeah, I mean, I think the biggest, the major inconveniences of all of this have been, you know, on a lot of the business owners, you know, not being able to have full capacity, things like that. But yeah, you're right. For people like you and me, 
really there haven't been other aside from wearing a mask there have not been any other anything has changed really i mean there were times where you couldn't go to certain places for a period of time because of the shutdowns but you know we kind of got it back kind of got back to normal a little bit then we had a spike then we kind of thought we're, we're on the end of it and then we have another spike during the winter we feel like oh the vaccine's gonna knock it down and we're gonna get back to some semblance of normalcy and then no one wants the vaccine or at least not enough to achieve the herd immunity so we're just kind of you know spinning wheels in a in a mud bath right now and we're just not going anywhere and it doesn't look like we're going to get to anywhere near herd immunity at this point i really don't think we will because the people that have there's a lot of people that have complained over the years about over the year about you know, not being able to do anything. Those are the same people that don't want the vaccine. And if they get the vaccine, we can return to normal. There won't be any restrictions. So I just don't understand it. Well, and I kind of wondered too. I I was reading by a podcast Anthony Fauci did. And hey, Dr. Fauci, you're always welcome to come on the Ohio. And I, I see that Fauci's more liberally making the um podcast circuit, which is great. I'm good. I mean, it's good to get some good information out there. Um, but, Bray, it was funny. Um, he mentioned that I didn't listen to the podcast. I just read an article that was written about the podcast. Um, you know, President Biden was talking about the hope was to get shots in the arms of 70% of Americans by July 4th. And, you know, he had the famous line saying, hey, you'll be able to enjoy, you know, 4th of July together as a family. There won't be a problem there. I wonder if opponents of Joe Biden, which seem to be half the country, are, are they, I mean, is part of this um, vaccine hesitancy saying, hey, if we all get our vaccines and if, if there's more than 70% um, compliance, then Biden looks great. So you know, maybe if we don't get a vaccine, you know, we're kind of sick in the face of Biden and Biden doesn't look that good. I mean, sometimes I wonder if it's as petty as that. Oh, that's an interesting uh interesting it's almost like oh my gosh you're voting in in the primary of the party you don't support just to yeah. vote for a weaker candidate <laughs> kind of cynicism um as for an all a bad analogy off the top of my head but um i don't know if that's really i just think people don't want to vote for uh, or not vote excuse me don't want to get the vaccine vaccine uh partly because just Ever since 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 beginning of uh, or beginning of last year, it was just the the prior administration was really not taking it seriously. They thought this was not this was going to be a sm small potatoes kind of issue. Um, they um, then didn't really encourage. Like let me put it this way: in, in an alternative reality, maybe Donald Trump would come out and say, "Hey, you know, I encourage you all to wear masks. Um, we're not requiring it." In fact, federal government can't really require it, but we're encouraging states to encourage it. We're not asking them to mandate it. You know, like really put it the onus and the burden on the people. You know, really slather that kind of sauce on there. And who knows? Everyone might have been compliant, and we wouldn't need government uh, mandates or whatnot. But um, because if oh, you know, that's because through leadership, you might we might have been able to achieve everyone taking this virus seriously um but even as we heard from those uh leaked tapes like trump who didn't want to put out that information or didn't want to really kind of come to around that notion because of um 
he didn't want to stir a panic. Not keeping in mind, he stirred panics on Twitter several times, particularly with, um, um, you know, so, uh, talking about a missile in Hawaii or something one time. It's, you know, I could find probably any case files, but um, I would go on to say that that regardless, though, is just now we're in it. We're in a stage where, you know, um, the politics really screwed us over, like the political debate really disincentivize responsible behavior. I mean, even Kamala Harris later in 2020 during the election said, I don't know if I would trust any vaccines under this administration. I mean, that was really, really not good. Um, it, cause now it's like, Oh, now we want you to trust the vaccines. Um, sorry. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm more frustrated with how the political discourse is just dis disincentivize people from not getting the vaccine. Well, and the hard thing, we, we've all talked about this probably for months, is, you know, there was an inconsistent message from President Trump. And he, I guess what frustrates me in the whole thing was, you know, people have said, and this is probably true, one thing that hurt President Trump's re-election efforts is <clears throat> the pandemic. It's tough. Uh, look at what happened with President Bush, uh, well, George W. Bush. Um, you know, the economy was in the crapper. And... You know, you can make arguments of who is responsible for it, but if you're the president and the economy's in the crapper, you're probably not going to stay president for a while. Uh, same thing with the pandemic. I mean, you know, Donald Trump didn't start the pandemic, but if you're the president during the pandemic and things aren't going well, you're out. You know, sorry. I mean, you're going to have a hard time being reelected. And I get to the point where, you know, I've got my own personal choices who I want to win or not, but. Hey, I'm all for our, our leaders right now. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for <laughs> President Biden to stop the pandemic. I, I don't want to be around. Um, you know, and I, I'm hoping that's not the case where other people are saying, hey, you know, it's going to look bad if the pandemic's still in full force four years from now. Maybe we'll get a Republican president back in. I mean, let's, as Americans, let's root for our leaders to make great choices and let's root for stuff to be over. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm, I'm all behind president Biden because I don't want to worry about this pandemic anymore. Yeah. It's sim simply a kind of a, a disappoint. It's really like, cause like there's no political incentive for Biden to like really, um, to really tackle this virus vigorously. There's more, more incentive for him to, push for uh reopenings um and you know so that's like basically biden just has to do the bare minimum at this sense you know i mean he's even i mean like the vaccination numbers all those stuff that's very much lowballing there i'll tell you that much um so it looks like he's doing a good job i will even go on to say though that um that um that it's just like, like the, the debate should be like, oh, my, like it shouldn't be like, oh, when, when are we getting back? To, when are we opening things up again? It's like, you know, are we are we doing enough to crush this virus? Are we making sure that our future generations don't have to live with this? Um, COVID booster vaccine vaccinations are going to be uh, going to be the norm. Uh, you're you know, um, you could have a loved one, a relative who might get very sick from COVID still. And it could still very much be, um, 
it's almost imagine like you know would you want to live with the black plague or the spanish flu i mean which kind of actually became the normal flu over the period of time depending on what sources you might pick up it's just it's just um it's just kind of frustrating that the politics somehow still encourage this kind of um you know yeah this kind of way uh laid back approach to really stomping out a deadly virus like this well i think expect to see more pressure i i think i mean you know you might say man blanchester school board's probably a small group and i'm sure it is compared to governor dewine or president biden whoever else the case might be but it's gonna be interesting i think you're gonna see some more pressure and brandon you're right i think there'll be more of hey you know it's smart to talk about responsible reopenings other than hey you know maybe if we do another like week shutdown how will that help you know so it'll be interesting to see how our politicians and leaders react to it and again Look, whoever's in charge, if it's Trump or Biden, I'm rooting for success and <clears throat> getting rid of the pandemic and getting rid of it in a responsible way. Uh, so we'll continue to follow it. I mean, I'm expecting if the Blanchester School Board is talking about this, I'm expecting to see other um, school districts fall suit, I'm sure, in the upcoming days. Well, before we continue, I want to give you guys some good advice and our listeners, too. Uh, Ashley Home Store. I mean, we've talked about them all week, and um, you know, by now you should know that. Look, you know, everybody needs something in their house replaced. Um, my wife is after me. There's a love seat that's having problems, and we need a cover. We probably don't have the money to buy a new love seat now, but we got to do something with it. Um, so, no matter how much furniture in the house you have, you might need something fixed, replaced, or whatever the case might be. Try Ashley Home Store, and you might be like, oh, I live far away from one, or I don't necessarily want to go to the store right now. Well, Ashley Home Store offers online shopping, and they offer delivery online. So, man, what better thing you could do? You're sitting at home. You're like, geez, I need a new couch. Um, go on your phone, whatever your device might be. Use our link, and the link's right there, either on the website or on your podcast provider. Have you listen to the show. Click on our link. Um, make a purchase. It helps you. Uh, they've got great deals and also helps us too. Uh, so yes, please check out Ashley Home Store, a great affiliate sponsor of us. And uh, that's my good advice for you guys. Um, wanted to talk about this. I, I know we're the Ohioan podcast, um, but this is in New York City. But again, when this starts happening, uh, we're going to see this uh, come a little bit more. Uh, New York City Public Schools is the country's largest school district. They're saying no more snow day. Uh, they're announcing uh, with the new school year calendar. Um, they're saying on snow days or days when school buildings are closed to emergency, all students and, and families should plan on participating in remote learning. Uh, one of the things I like to talk about here is, you know, COVID changed our life in many ways, which is good. Um I think we're going to see dramatic effects. We're going to see the way we live change a little bit, even after COVID eventually goes away. And I underlined eventually. It's not going to be today or tomorrow. Um, you know, stuff's going to change. And, I, you know, uh, we can work more from home now. I mean, there's a lot more we could do from home. Um, so, hey, you might not get any more snow days anymore. Craig? I can imagine. I'm not stereotyping you or anything. I think you were a big snow day guy. I, I'm just, 
I'm guessing. You, you seem to be that fun, loving snow day guy. What do you think about this in New York City? Well, I think this is a terrible idea. Um, yeah, I think you're right. How about that? <laughs> I, I wasn't necessarily, I'm not really a sledding, you know, sledding type kid. I, I do, I did play in the snow, makes, you know, build snowman, you know, whatever. But I, I think this is a terrible idea because sometimes snow days are really good for mental health day off. Mm. And it, it's not necessarily just for the kids. It's also for the teachers, too. And I've even been told that by, you know, local superintendents of the area that I cover. I feel like every now and then you just need a day to decompress and have a day off. And schools, especially in Ohio, you know, our schools go more than the required amount of, you know, education, you know, that is, you know, board certified by the state that we need to go to school for a certain number of days or a certain number of hours, every school district in the state by far eclipses whatever the requirements are are from the state of Ohio. Meaning there are plenty of opportunities to give days off. And that's not even, you know, not even counting spring break and winter break and whatever it may be, parent-teacher conferences, things like that. I, I don't know that other states are gonna adopt this. I know that, that that was sort of a debate maybe in the state of Ohio. I think, most Ohio superintendents, and there was even a school that took a day off, and the superintendent said, we're having the day off because you guys need a day off, you know, not because it was, you know, we couldn't do remote learning. This is just something that I don't really foresee catching on so much in the state of Ohio. Or if it does, I think you're going to get a lot of backlash because I just don't think a lot of people are going to be really interested in it because sometimes – more than just having a snow day, it's just nice to have a day off mentally. And I think that most superintendents agree with that. Brandon, I think one of the hard things to see on how to make this work, um, my wife's a teacher, and one of her fears is, um, you know, they had to have school home for a day or two because of a, a reported COVID case in the school and everything. And her concern is, you make these blizzard bags, what they call them, and maybe you don't have to do as much with online schooling, but it, it's sometimes hard to prepare when you don't know. And obviously with snow days, you know, you can look at the forecast and say, hey, it, it looks like it might be a rough day, but oftentimes you don't know to the beginning of the day how to plan and prepare. And I assume that even after COVID, you know, how you teach in person is going to be a little bit different how you teach online. How do you think teachers can prepare for something like this in New York City and maybe elsewhere? Sorry, you broke up there, Chris. What was that again? Well, no, I was going to say the preparation could be difficult um, in teaching if you're teaching in person, if you're teaching online. So I, I kind of wonder how how it's going to be for teachers to prepare that way too. I, I could see that being a problem about how to make this work. Well, I think um, teachers didn't have much time to prepare last year um, when the pandemic hit. Um, so I think um, um, the so I think it's like you know with this with something like this probably planned out months ahead or something uh, for for like oh if a snow day happens um, we're switching to virtual learning. Um, you know, I think that will be a lot much more anticipated and there'll be more planning involved. 
Yeah, I, I would imagine that. And Craig, here's the other thing I'm thinking about. Um, I guess politically and a bunch of other stuff in, in my life, I'm thinking, how do we get someone to mill? Uh, one of the things I appreciate about my current job is, yeah, my boss wants us to get work done. I mean, she's not a pushover by any means, but she'll let you, you know, pick up your kids and make up the time and everything. There's a little bit of flexibility built in where, yeah, we have deadlines we have to hit. There's other stuff we have to do, but there's flexibility built in. Um, you know, couldn't these schools, if they're, if there's a, you know, a, a lot of snow and they got to do online learning, couldn't the schools just say, hey, kids, take an hour, go play in the snow. We'll, we'll see you in an hour and come back. I mean, would it be better if we try to build some flexibility in the, a, well, a day like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be if, if this does happen, maybe it wouldn't be bad to have that flexibility where maybe they do like a two-hour delay or a half a day or early release or something. You know, it's interesting because, it, and I don't know this to be true for every district in Ohio. I'm sure everybody has a different way of doing things. But I know that locally we have schools that when they have a snow day that goes to remote learning, oftentimes their teachers are asked to come into the office because that's how a lot of them administer their online coursework. Yeah. So even though it's a snow day, you're still basically telling your teacher drive through whatever's out there, get to school and get your online plans going or get your online lesson going, um, which obviously would make it very complicated for, you know, and, and maybe unsafe for a lot of teachers to have to trek through whatever snow or ice situation there is. But, you know, if, if something like that were to happen where they decide to have no snow days, then maybe, you know, doing an hour in the morning to, you know, or two hour delay and, and having kids, you know, because realistically, you know, some schools in smaller districts I know actually do like live online learning where their teacher is on webcam and they actually teach as if they were in school. And bigger school districts just can't do that. It's a little bit harder to do that technology. So, you know, that means that maybe they're just giving them assignments and you're working on it through the day. So, you know, maybe saying, well, you don't have to get started until nine or maybe it's not due until the next day give kids a little chance to be a kid and have fun and, and also maybe give teachers a chance to, to relax too, because it's, you know, it's stressful on everybody. And I think, you know, giving them a little mental health break doesn't hurt ever. So even if it's just a couple of hours or a half a day, you know, there's gotta be some flexibility, I think with this, you know, proposal, I'm sure a lot of New York city unions probably aren't thrilled, oh. you know, and I'm sure there's going to be some union issues maybe with, with this announcement that the teachers are going to want to, you know, maybe renegotiate contracts or whatever it may be. Um, and I, I'm, I'm surprised that something like this would pass in such a large district because there's got to be some places where it's more challenging than others to go to classes or maybe there's not as much technology at, you know, lower income schools, things like that. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that New York City, you know, is doing this, but, you know, they, they apparently feel like it's it's worth getting rid of. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, especially since it's happening in a city as big as New York City. Um, you know, people are going to be eyeballing. If it works, it's going to work in other places. And, and Brandon, real quick, I, I think, you know, it's changed the way we've worked at the office. You know, uh, Brandon and I are editors, producers type that, you know, yeah, I mean, some – jobs they still want you to come in the office but man 
Brandon, if you call out sick anymore, since you could do your work at home, maybe they're not expecting a full day out yet. But I guess the thought is, unless you're hacking and dying, you can still do some stuff at home. So uh, I know I work all the time from home, and I'll often still work even if I am sick. And I just kind of let the boss say, hey, I'm not feeling super well. So, you know, you may not expect, a, you know, 110% productivity, but it's, it's kind of harder for us to call off anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, snow days are kind of, uh, might be a thing of the past for even the workforce. Yeah. Um, it's hard. I remember, hell, I had a, a snow day la- uh, last year. Um, when we were still kind of coming in the office, um, um, when we were, or maybe it was earlier this year kind of deal because of, uh, we were doing a hybrid schedule at the time, I think. But, um, anyways, for that, for, for all intents and purposes though, um, you know, workforce is one thing and the school classrooms, another, um, you know, there's my biggest, my biggest gripe with this proposal, though, is just making sure everyone has access to internet. I mean, I, I've heard stories even here in Ohio where some kids are just um, going to a parking lot to get some Wi-Fi from yeah. some nearby establishment. I think that's that's really the biggest crux of preventing this is like, I mean, heck, what made this pandemic even much of a double whammy is that even the libraries here in central Ohio, for for example, and probably other libraries across the nation had to go to a a limited service schedule or close their doors completely. And that was that's a place that even as me for me as a as a a high school student and even probably more so a high school student, I didn't really I didn't really I didn't never I never my folks never got Internet. They never. um we never had really a computer in the house. Um, and if we did, it was very outdated, outdated one like secondhand with window running windows XP on the bare minimum Ram. Um, so, you know, but there were times you needed internet access and times have changed and maybe a lot more families are getting, getting that, but there are some who, who don't have the, the money for it. So I don't know. I feel like if you're going to require going to go to this kind of, type of teaching i i think you need to like the schools need to find a way to hook people up with internet access um so that's just my biggest my biggest concern yeah i'll be interested to see what happens and you know like i said before school districts are eyeballing new york city and if it works there hey i could see it being trying to be adopted more places and brandon you're right uh here in ohio uh they are the budget is looking for a lot more money for broadband and yeah, you know, just think, you know, broadband isn't just, it used to be like a, what do you call it, like a, a extra item that you didn't have to have, but now it's becoming so, so essential anymore. You know, be able to see, see what happens. Well, let me give you some advice. Um, you know, hey, if you want to bribe your guy superintendent to get a snow day, or if you want to keep that relationship up with a guy supervisor, uh, you you want to you know give them something you know a little bribe or whatever. Uh, look at Manly Man um, Company. They're one of our affiliate sponsors, and Manly Man they offer a bunch of unique gifts for the guy in your life. Hey, it's awkward to buy guys a gift sometimes. Well, they've got a lot of fun like meat bouquets, bacon items, uh, stuff that guys would like and everything. So uh, check out the Manly Man Company, not just if you're trying to bribe your superintendent or your 
guy boss or whoever that guy might be. Um, look out for your dad, your spouse, boyfriend. Um, just, you know, whoever it might be. Um, I got to admit, I'm not a big banking guy. My joke this week is maybe your fellow podcasters give that stuff to you. Well, banking's not my thing, but mainly, man, look, look at the website. They offer a lot of interesting uh, gifts for the guy in your life. Uh, a lot of fun that can be had. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, the CEO back on. Have fun with him. I think it was about a year ago we had him on a podcast. I'd be interested to hear more about what Manly Man Company does. So check out Manly Man. As always, um, look at um, you know viewfromthepew.club website or whatever podcast provider you use to download the show. Just click on the link and check out the Manly Man Company. Um, Brandon Craig, some interesting news yesterday. Uh, Donald Trump, um, based on some of the comments he made after the January 6th insurrection in Washington, D.C., he got quickly banned from a bunch of places, um, social networks, uh, most notably uh, Facebook, Twitter, and other stuff. Well, I didn't realize this until yesterday. Uh, Facebook has an independent advisory board, and so they get questions, and I think Facebook is trying to have another group decide on some things. Well, one of the questions came up was saying, hey, should Donald Trump uh, be reinstated um, to Facebook? And a lot of people were saying, hey, maybe they're having a hard time not reinstating him. But lo and behold, um, the ban's still on. Uh, they, um, they upheld the ban on Trump. There is some question, though, because... They went back to Facebook and said, hey, you guys got to sign six months. So, yeah, the ban is still on for now, but there's some analysts saying they're kind of passing the buck back to Facebook. And I read a report yesterday saying that Facebook may just pass the buck right to this board. I mean, no one wants to make that decision to say, hey, he's permanently banned or he's going to come back. Um, Craig, uh, we've talked about this before. Um, should Trump be reinstated even now or down the road? Well, you know, I think a lot of people, especially Trump supporters, have come out and said that this is like infringing on his First Amendment rights, and it's not. Facebook has no there. There's no bearing to Facebook on you know them banning someone is equivalent to, um, you know censoring someone's First Amendment rights. They have the option if they choose to ban someone. I'm not going to get into Facebook's business as far as what they should and shouldn't do. I will say this. If they deem what they think to be issues with him or with anybody else, they can ban them. And, yeah, I'd like to see more clarity on, on you know, who's sort of making the final decision here. But at the end of the day, they have – the power, much like Twitter does, or Instagram, private businesses that, yeah, they may appear to be public, but they're not public. They're open to the public, but it's no different than Target or Walmart, where if you go in and cause a ruckus, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get removed. Or like the video, you know, the video that maybe is going around that people might have seen <clears throat> at uh, a Costco, where a guy was surrounded by eight you know, workers and basically told to leave because, you know, he wasn't wearing a mask and he shouts out to everybody in the store about, you know, are you supporting this tyranny? And they, no one backed this guy. So at the end of the day, a, an industry like Facebook, they have the right to say, you're allowed on here. You're not allowed on here. And I understand it 
may not be ideal for certain people, especially the you know, former president who may want to run again and may want to use social media to his advantage. But he's probably just going to have to hope that his you know, friends in the Republican Party use social media on his behalf because I don't really see him being reinstated to, to use social media. He can always go to parlor, I guess, right? And I'll, well, we've talked about that. Well, I, I don't think parlor's around. I mean, I, I, I'm not even sure if the website's working. I, uh, well, they, they were reinstated on. Um, oh, they were? Okay. Yeah, on app stores. They were reinstated, or at least they said they were coming back. Although I don't know if a final decision was made, but it, it, it's kind of like MeWe. We spent like a segment once talking about MeWe, yeah. and I'm like, "All right, I'm willing to try it out. Let's get some engagement going." And I think two or three of my Facebook friends ever heard of MeWe. I started account just as a lark. I posted one thing. I haven't heard anything. I haven't gotten any emails from MeWe or whatever the case might be. So I don't know. It, it is what it is, I guess. Apple had announced they are letting Parler back on the App Store, so there you go. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm yeah. Sure how many people are still using Parler? And I don't know if Trump has a account on Parler, which tells you, you know, <laughs> where Parler's at. If if Trump doesn't have an account there, right? Um, Brian, I don't know if you heard this. I've been snooping around. I, I guess um, Trump has his website. I think it's like forty five office dot com. And he started a blog, which he said, hey, this is like Twitter. It's good. You can share it on Twitter. Uh, I got to tell you, Brent, I had a difficulty finding it on the website. Um, whoever's doing this website doesn't really understand SEO. And it's not really reader-friendly. It's just a paragraph of him talking. Um, I think yesterday he went after um, – what's Rob McStodder's name? I'm, I'm blanking right now. Well, let's move on. No, no, I'm sorry, not Mitt Romney. Sorry, uh, Liz Cheney. Uh, he was kind of, uh -oh. yeah, he was going Liz Cheney in a, in a paragraph, and I don't know. I mean, I read this about the blog and I said, "Man, this is great. This is wonderful. This is fantastic." And I'm like, even if you're a fan of President Trump, it's hard to find. So, and then I keep hearing Brandon about how he's he wants to start this social network. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be a great challenge to everybody else and I've seen nothing about it. And honestly, the partner and me, we, whatever you think about politically, I mean, no one's engaging with it. So, I mean, if you're going to have a successful social network, you've got to make it easy for people to respond to. So what do you think is going on here? I mean, we, yeah, I mean, as far as the difficulty of searching for a website, <laughs> we have no idea whether, um, it's just brand new, you know, maybe it is, you're right, an SEO issue. Um, search engines, though, probably have an algorithm that takes some, some things into consideration, too. Um, for, um, you know, uh, I think the, uh, the, the, the crux of this issue, though, as far as the Facebook ban, the Twitter ban, the Instagram ban... Um, yes, Craig's right. It's not a First Amendment issue, um, but it is um, it is concerning to some degree um, about these tech companies do have a way to sort of a sort of this way to kind of um, I don't know engage how to how to kind of influence or control or regulate the the the, the discourse. Um, and, you know, 
they're in within their right, I think, to say, you know, we can, you know, hey, if you're coming on our site with no shoes and no, uh, no shirt, no shoes, no service, pal. But at the same time, it, it, it it's like, I guess, what are the, I guess the rules of engagement? What are the rules of engagement? Um, and is a lifetime ban like, um, and what makes this a, a lifetime ban really like a, a fair punishment, I guess. But what's, because it's funny, it's like if this was a Mr. Nobody, I know we wouldn't be talking about this, but if it was, it's since it's a former president, of course we're kind of now wondering, like, well, you know, what if what if there are several people on this platform that you know are are kind of going through the same thing, and whether it's not necessarily for uh, uh you know good reasons like oh inciting a riot, um, but maybe some other weird benign benign really silly petty maybe i don't know they're throwing out twitter secret codes or something i have no idea but um i think the uh i i'm kind of i'm still with two minds like is there a way he can be allowed on but with but with like heavily monitored like you know a delay in what he tweets out um at the same time you know cuz like the partisan would say, oh my gosh, it's great that he's off Twitter. It really does limit his reach and his influence. But, you know, at the same time, for like in terms of the common welfare for all for all users on social media, it's like, is this is this is this great in the long run? I, I don't have an answer. Well, and what do you guys think? Why don't you guys both answer this? What do you guys think if yeah, because, Brandon, I share your concern in terms of the First Amendment. Even Bernie Sanders, who is obviously completely opposite, you know, politically and probably the way he thinks about most things, was kind of hesitant when they are asking him about, like, the ban from social media. Couldn't you make it? Because the rules don't allow for this now. And even Trump was calling for this, which could be bad for Trump if this succeeds. But, you know, we teach our kids and we tell each other this, hey, your words have meaning. Your words have consequence. So why don't we just say, and it might need the government to regulate Facebook a little bit, why don't we say, hey, we don't ban anybody. You know, Trump, you're allowed to come back on. Whoever else is allowed to come back on. But if you're tweeting stuff about an event that happens, that was destructive, which obviously is January 6th with the insurrection up at the White House. Or if you're, if you're, let's say you're calling out somebody, like if you're calling out a public official and something happens that public official, you're held responsible. And you might say, hey, I didn't have anything to do with it. I wasn't involved. Well, if you have a big platform and you're calling for something, then you could be held, you know, maybe attach a charge to it or something. So, there is a way where we're saying, hey, we're allowing for that freedom of speech, freedom of expression, but your words have consequence. I, I, I don't know. I, I just threw out the idea. I'm not sure if it works or not. W- could that work or some variation of that work? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm not I'm not advocating for a permanent ban. I Again, I think it's up to Facebook to determine what their policies are. It's up to Twitter to determine what their policies are to to figure out whether or not, you know, Trump or anybody else should be banned. And, you know, going back to Brandon's point about other people on social media, you know, giving out information or inciting things, 
that's that's true, and it's it's just as worse as the president when he was inciting things. But I think the biggest difference was is the president had more reach than say Joe Schmo Twitter account that has five Twitter followers. You know, Trump had an entire half of the world is or half of the country that supported him, and that's what the problem was: is so many people were supportive of him, and when they felt like he was talking to them, so to speak. That's when the action and that's when things happen. But, you know, going back to your point, Chris, about, you know, maybe, you know, there, there, there is precedent for whether it's cyberbullying or, or making it a step further where there's, you know, cyber threats. If, if those things are deemed, you know, deemed that, that poisonous, then they can certainly Facebook or Twitter could maybe report him to the authorities for, cyberbullying or cyber, you know, you know, whatever it may be. And then it would be up to the, you know, I guess, depending on where he lived, maybe it would be up to, to them to determine if there's, you know, charges that are warranted. But that might not be a bad option. And I think people need to understand that there are consequences to words because most of the time you, you talk to people and you get these outlandish comments, whether it's racial slurs or whether it's, inciting violence or making threats or or being you know threatening and intimidating online they think they're kind of protected under that first amendment and that stuff's not protected you can't you can't just say anything that's not what the first amendment allows it does not just mean you can say whatever it is and protects you and i think maybe allowing more consequences might temper some of the issues we see on social media with how you know outright vulgar and mean and possibly threatening people can be on social media thinking that they have either anonymity because they're on social media or simply because they're, you know, believed that they're protected under freedom of speech, which that does not protect all everything that you say. So maybe it wouldn't be bad to see something, you know, like that where people could face charges for a cyber bullying or cyber terrorism or cyber insert whatever you deem necessary for charges. Or even, Brandon, I'm thinking maybe not a charge, like a civil suit. Uh, you saw that with Covington Catholic. It was at Kentucky High School that where the kid was kind of looking at a, um Indian, uh, American Indian. And the way that the video first presented itself from the angle, it looked like the guy was m mocking the American Indian. And all you know what broke loose was our rally in D.C., and a bunch of people, I mean, from news people were like, oh, this guy's a scum and he's should be in trouble and everything. And it turned out that he wasn't mocking him as much. So the kid pretty much went out and sued everybody. And, you know, hey, he didn't really, he got some settlements, but from what I understood, he didn't get nowhere near the money he was looking for. But maybe that would give some people pause. I don't, I, I don't know if you could throw somebody in jail. Well, maybe on that. On that case study, though, this is the problem with social media is it's just it's also affected traditional media. Um, the day and age where news organizations are, are racing against the clock to put out news as, as quickly as possible. It's led to more more errors in the story. Um, and um, I think that. um you know, it's, this is the dynamic that social media has created um, where we all expect information to be in real time. And maybe there was some sort of perfect balance where a lot of journalists had like the whole day 
a whole day. If the news broke, they uh, they had the whole day to go go get some get those facts, get really have enough time to really understand the news, go through it, ask people, ask folks questions, and you know then file the story by five o'clock or six o'clock or whatever, and then head home for the day. But and then the story would show up the next day in print. Um, those days, of course, are long and gone, though. So, yeah. and to try to act like that is probably like you know a dinosaur still trying to, uh, um, you know, continue preying on other smaller prey while a meteor is hitting the Earth. But um, I think that the 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 social media is has made it so that it's you know it's that everyone is in some way sort of a journalist of some nature. Um, you know, and then maybe some will say, well, that's silly. It's not like, you know, if, if I put a Band-Aid on you, that makes me a doctor. No, but if there's like a mobile app that, you know, with that where people can call others to come over and diagnose them for something or, you know, home remedies, uh, mobile home remedies app or whatever, that might make you a sort of a doctor in that sense. Uh, just yeah. uh, in a where, very scary way. Uh, I wouldn't trust that app with my life, but we trust it with Twitter and Facebook in terms of getting our information from. Yeah. Um, I feel, I feel like the one thing that social media could probably do is really cut back on how many times a post can be liked, how many times a post can be shared. Cause it's almost like if I tell you a rumor, you know, you're spreading, I, I, you know, I post some sort of lie on Facebook. You see it, you share it. Craig sees it. He shares it his daughter or his sister or his whatever sibling sees it on Facebook um, shares it. And Craig, I'm making up relatives for you. And I apologize in advance if I am. Um, but you know what? My point is though, is someone sees it and it's shared throughout. And then this is the thing though, with fake news, you see people are sharing things that they never even created. They're sharing things that they've not gone done like a, a check for accuracy and it's this so when you have a person with a platform of like 80 million followers um i i guess my 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 thing is is can we even limit the number of followers um you know just See, uh, i think, I think I, that put a tax or a, or a fee for if you want more followers pay up I, I like the spirit of how you're saying it. I, I just think anytime they have regulation, you're, you're almost saying, well, why are you restricting us? We got the freedom. I would say, hey, give more freedom, but with with a civil suit possible, be careful what you say. And granted, you know, that, and that's not to say everyone's going to be suing each other for any little thing, but, you know. I mean, but take it, take that incitement, uh, the, um, you know, Donald Trump, I mean, who would sue Donald Trump for inciting a riot, I guess? Maybe, um, and, you know, I guess maybe some of the family members who uh, or relatives of those who died in that incident, maybe. But, you know, he wasn't, because he definitely wasn't held accountable um, during the second impeachment trial. Well, well, let's, because start, of, well let's start the other way. Who wouldn't, um, to be honest? And you can look at somebody like O.J. Simpson. I mean, O.J. Simpson wasn't found criminally guilty for deaths, but, you know, he faced a large civil payout. And, you know, you can look at both ways. You could say, well, why would he, you know, why would they not 
charge him criminally if he had to pay a civil suit. Well, you know, maybe that civil suit would cause hesitancy. I mean, I'm even looking at not just from a guy with 80 million followers, but look look at, um, man, and I hate to call people on Facebook because I'm going to post this on Facebook later today. But there's about 10 to 15 people on my Facebook. It's like, oh, don't get vaccines. It'll hurt you. And you won't be able to have babies or anything else like that. Well, what if I listened to that and didn't get the vaccine and I caught COVID and then I died? Could my family? And, and then, like, I'm, I'm hanging out with these people that say you shouldn't have a vaccine. And, and you know, I'm listening to them other than, you know, Fauci or whoever else the case might be. Could my wife sue those people because it said, hey, because he listened to people he shouldn't be listening to, my husband's dead. It, I mean, it sets up some really interesting parameters. And I think, hey, if you have, and that might give me the hesitancy about posting crap online or just posting something I'm not sure is true or not. I don't know if it would work. I mean, it's one of those things that's hard to say, but. Uh, it's interesting what happens. Well, good conversation, everybody. Um, we are up against the time-wise. Um, I, I need to mention about three really quick things before we go. Uh, first of all, Chase Bank, uh, affiliate, um, you know, of us, uh, the sponsor. Again, you know, you need banking. Uh, COVID, you may not want to go to your bank. You want uh, better banking options. Hey, Chase Bank has worked for me. Um, I know some people out there may question Chase Bank, but Chase Bank will for me. If you're looking for a new bank, check out Chase Bank. Click the link on our website or click the link on your podcast provider. Sign up for an account. Attach a direct deposit. You'll get 200 bucks. They'll pay you, and it'll actually also benefit the program too. Um, guys, I wanted to mention this. Let's just do a sentence response to this and so we can end on time. Uh, Peloton, uh, there was a kid that got killed, unfortunately, uh, with a Peloton treadmill, and Peloton was kind of questioning the claims. Now they're recalling all treadmills. Um, it's interesting, um, not to say that Peloton's going to go out of business, but obviously this is going to really put a big issue on their business, uh, which is fascinating because, you know, Peloton was this elite, um, thing, you know, that you should get for people to help their health and everything. Uh, we laughed about the Peloton woman a year ago that, you know, people were like, you know, she doesn't need to lose weight and everything. Uh, Brandon, real quick, do you think Peloton could survive this? Yes. <laughs> okay, so you think it's a, a small issue. Uh, Craig, Peloton, are they going to survive? I think so, but they're going to definitely lose a lot of money. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. It's definitely a PR issue. It'll be interesting to see how they can respond. Um, I, I'm with Brandon. I don't think it's a death meal for Peloton, but Peloton's got ways to go PR wise. So they, uh, you know, they got to get moving. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with Peloton. Uh, finally, uh, guys, anything you quickly want to shout out before we're done? No, I don't think so. No, nothing to report. Okay. Well, for me, I want to definitely uh, give credit to the Hope Interrupted team, uh, a book that's being written by Jennifer Mooney and Byron McCauley. I noticed this yesterday. I was really excited to report. they uh, The book came out yesterday. Um, it was released. I saw a lot of pictures of Byron and Jennifer. Uh, they got together, and they were signing books. Um, as you know from 
uh, the podcast that you hear on the Highland Network. Um, you can pre-order the book and you can get signed. Well, everyone who pre-ordered the book, uh, Jennifer and Byron pre, uh, pre-signed it. And um, Craig and Brandon, I'm very interested to know how many books they signed because that definitely will help us out as well. So check out Hope Interrupted, um, the podcast. Uh, there was a new episode, Charmaine McGuffey. She's the Hamilton County Sheriff. She was on yesterday uh, to talk about police issues, which is very important right now. Check that podcast out and check out Hope Interrupted. Uh, there's links on the podcast. There's links on the website. Uh, and, and look at the book. Buy the book. It's a great way of um, you know, dealing with some of the issues that we're facing today. All right. Well, Brandon and Craig, thanks for your time today. I, I know we went a little bit over, but a lot of good conversations, a lot of good things to discuss. Um, hey, we'll we'll see you. Well, it's Thursday, right? <laughs> see you tomorrow. I'll be there. I don't know if anybody else will. No, uh, we don't tape on on Friday, uh, but check out. Um, we're going to issue a pop culture podcast. Uh, Craig has his weekly interview with Bob Garver, and Craig's got another segment where he reviews other things that's going on. Uh, check out Saturday. Uh, Paul Yanchek has some book reviews. And me, Paul, and Joe talk about a poor guy in Gettysburg that got trapped in a porter potty. Uh, you, you'll get to hear the fun there. And then Sunday, check out some um, devotionals and everything else from um, Paul. So, yeah, lots of content this weekend. We will be back on Monday. So, uh, for Brandon and Craig, this is Chris. Thanks for checking out to Hiram. We really appreciate it. And have a great day, everybody. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.